Ecclesiastes chapter nine, chapter four, verse nine through 12. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fail, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him as a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now. We open up our hearts and our spirits to begin to expect you to speak into our lives and bring change into our lives. Father, we just invite your presence and your voice and we open up our hearts to the truth of the word. We give you glory and honor. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about a deep cut that comes from somebody by the name of Frankie Beverly and his group Maze. Anybody ever hear, heard of Frankie Beverly and Maze? Amen. Some of you, you might, might know some of the songs by Frankie Beverly and Maze. Uh, and if you don't know them, then Google it when you get out of church because I'm trying to give you game this morning. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to bring you up on some things. And we're going after the deep cuts, okay? We're going after the deep cuts. So there's a song by Frankie Beverly and Maze. It's called I Need You. Everybody say, I need you. I need you. And I want to I jump off of this as we get into the revelation. And the way the song goes, and I posted it on my Instagram last night. You can hear this snippet of it on there. Uh, and, and then you can download it on your own. It, the lyrics go like this. Like a flower needs the rain. Like a blind man needs his cane. Woo! I need you. Like the darkness needs the night. Like the moon's glow needs the light. Hey, I need you. Come on, somebody. I'm spitting game to you today. All right. See, in the old school, they had a way of talking to their women. They had a way of expressing love in these things. And and you could download the song. They actually have a remix on Spotify that's nine minutes long. And if you like, uh, if, if, if you like uh, instrumentals and stuff, it, it's got some good stuff. I'm, I'm putting you up on game. But what I want you to understand is the communicating here is a position of humility. 
It's a position of love because love is always humble. Come on, somebody. Amen. And what Frankie's trying to tell this woman in this song here is I need you. Come on. That is something that our generation is losing. The humility to admit that you need somebody. Because we have a generation now that says, you must not know about me. Come on. You must not know about me. Come on, Beyonce. I could have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute, baby. Come on, you know that song. Trying to act like, I don't listen to that. No, you heard it on the way in, some of y'all. But what is that? It's a mindset of this generation. And why do we develop that mindset? Let me tell you what develops a mindset where we don't need nobody. Hurt. Rejection. Abandonment. Now, I want to be careful here because some of what happens in abandonment, when we, uh, uh, when we adopt that mentality, gets us through life. Like if your parents abandoned you and you wrapped yourself around, I don't need nobody. I'm going to make it. That mentality is a strength. That mentality tells you I'm not going to let nobody hold me back. I'm going to break forth. I'm going to have a good life. I'm going to be successful. I don't need nobody. And it becomes something that is a a life raft, right? It gets you through because the opposite of that would be, I don't have a dad. I don't have a mom. I can't do this. And you crawl into a ball in the corner and you just crumble, become depressed, become dark, kill yourself, whatever it is. That's that. So I want to be real careful as I take this apart. I realize some of us in this room, what got you through life is going, I don't need nobody. My dad don't want me. I don't want him. I don't need nobody. My mom wasn't there for me. She's going to choose the crack pipe over me. Well, forget her. I don't need nobody. I'm going on. And that strength helped you make it by. Can I get an amen in here? Am I talking to anybody that this bears witness with today? Because we have a generation, y'all, of young people. We have a generation that has been rejected, that has been abandoned by the people that were supposed to care for them. And the, and the mentality out there that most people, you know, subscribe to is I don't need anybody. Now, that may get you through life. But in the kingdom of God, God is asking you to give up that mentality. He's saying, son, daughter, I receive you. I accept you. But let me tell you how the kingdom works. That mentality in the world can make you successful, can get you through, but you're in the kingdom of God now. And it is my job to take care of you. But we have a generation of Christians. They don't want to give that up. So they get saved. And they become a part of churches with the mentality that I don't need anybody. I don't need you. I don't need you. Pastor, I definitely don't need you. I don't need it. I could do this. It's just me and Jesus. And if it don't work out at this church, I'll go down the street to another church and I'll get me a brand new pastor. See, it's that same mentality. 
I can have another you in a minute. Come on. It's that mentality that permeates relationships. Why do marriages crumble so much in this day and age? Because it's a mentality. If this fool don't work out, I'll go get me another one. If she ain't going to give me what I want, I'll go get me another one. See, and it's this thing of like, wait a minute. You can't get you another one. Because first of all, Tina... There ain't no more me's, baby. I think Lou Rawls said it best. I think Lou Rawls said it best. How many remember Lou Rawls? Anybody remember Lou? Come on, humor me. Some of the people over 30 might remember Lou Rawls. He said, you'll never find, come on, another love like this. I mean, you got to hear those songs. These are the deep cuts, y'all. Do your research. Yo, bless your life. That's the mentality we need. Not this mentality of, hey, this one, I'll go get you. I'll go get another one. Because when you treat relationships like that, you are misusing the gifts that God gives you. So I want you to tell the person next to you, not in a creepy way. I'm going to trust you with this, all right? Don't say it creepily, creepily, amen? But look at the person next to you and say, hey, I need you. If it's your wife or husband, definitely put some sauce on it then. I need you, baby. All right? We need to take that concept back. Okay, we need to embrace it because the the fact that you have needs is how the kingdom runs. It was okay to get you through the world. I don't need anybody. All right. But in the kingdom, Jesus says, give me that mentality. It doesn't work that way in my kingdom. That mentality will keep you from the blessings that I have for you. And so many people are unwilling to get through with it. So let me help you dismantle that today, okay? Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible tells us right off of the bat, okay? Genesis 2, 18 is it's dealing with Adam. God is creating the world. He creates something. He says, this is good. He creates the sky. He said, ooh, that's good. He creates the animals. He says, it is good. He creates this, he creates that, it's good, it's good. And finally, in uh, chapter 2, verse 18, he says, wait a minute, it is not good that man should be alone. It's not good. And he says this, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Amen? Amen? That word comparable, you ready? means equal to. Speaking to some husband out there that doesn't realize that. Comparable to. Speaking to a wife out there that thinks she's better than her husband. Comparable to. When you find the one that God has for you, when you choose the one to marry, you better pick somebody comparable to you. Can I get an amen on that? If you're still single, pick somebody comparable. Amen? God takes the woman out of the rib, the side. 
He doesn't take her out of Adam's foot. Come on, to be walked on. Doesn't take her out of Adam's butt. Come on. So don't treat your spouse like she came out your butt. Stay with me. Don't don't put a mental picture there, but stay with me. He takes his wife out of his side, comparable, equal to. Amen? But the phrase that I want to draw you to is it's not good that man should be alone. You're not created to be alone. You're not created to just be you. Some people have adopted the phrase, man, it's just me and God. If it's just me and God, we're going to do this thing. No, no, no. Stop. That's a worldly mentality that you're trying to bring into the kingdom. God has created you with needs. And this is why Jesus creates the church, to put you around other people that can help meet your needs and that you can help meet their needs. It is one of the mysteries of creation, the New Testament calls the church, that God would save you. He doesn't leave you on your own. He doesn't leave you on your street, leave you in your people. No, God saves you and then he plants you in a church. But unless you get rid of the mentality that says, I don't need anybody, you will be held back and you will stay at the level that you're at. So we need to exchange this, okay? So now look at James chapter one, verse 17. Put it on the screen there. It says this, every good and perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What is that talking about there? It means that every good gift that God gives you comes from him. God wants to truly be involved in everything about your life, if you'll let him. The New Testament tells us this, be led by the spirit of God, not led by money, not led by opportunity, not led by your flesh or your feelings. Be led by his spirit. The Bible tells us the word is a lamp unto our feet. What does that mean? His lamp lights up the area around your feet. It doesn't light up the entire path. Means this. It means this walk with God is step by step. Ooh, baby. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Marty. Sorry. New kids on the block of flashback back right there. This, this mixtape thing is getting to me here. It's step by step. Monty got excited too. I saw you, Monty. I saw you. Monty used to love her some new kids, boy. I tell you what. So, so the, the, the thing is, it's, it's step by step. He shows you a little at a time, which means this. He wants us to follow him. He wants to, us to trust him. He doesn't want us to get ahead of him. And we've got to learn to be led by the spirit and understand that every good gift comes from God. He's a giver of good gifts. So why would you not want to listen to him? Why would you not want to be led by him? The reason we do is because of something called pride. We want what we want when we want it. It's about me. It's about me. It's about what I want, when I want it, and all those things. And when we adopt that kind of mindset, which, again, is also from the world, 
we get out of step with God and we can miss God. So every good gift comes from God. And you know what one is, what are the most perfect gifts that God can give you? Ready? Is relationships. Man, relationships are a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so many people are relationship challenged. And for some of us, it's not our fault. We were raised around people that were dysfunctional. We were raised by people that were relationally dysfunctional. All you ever heard your mom do was talk bad about people. That's a dysfunction. And if you were raised by a woman like that, it's no wonder you can't trust nobody. This is why mamas, can I have the mom's eyeballs up here? Work on your issues because you could really jack up your kids. Where my dad's at? Dad's look up here. We got to work on our issues because we could really pass off some, some, just some bad stuff into our kids if we don't work on our issues. And some of us are the product of that. We were raised by people that didn't understand relationships. There was something wrong with everybody. You, you know, and this is how you know if we, you know, you'd hang out with people and the first conversation in the car is now we're going to talk bad about everybody that we just talked with. You know, you go to a party and you, everybody looks like they're having fun till you get in the car. And what does the mom and dad begin to do? Did you see so-and-so? Who does he think he is? He don't know that we know he's a drug addict. And did you see so-and-so, your, your tia? Who told her she could wear that dress? And everybody laughs and everybody, you know, and, but that's, that's life. Guess what you're teaching your kids? How to be dysfunctional. I got somebody with an Android phone out back there. Turn, turn that thing down right there. Come on. <laughs> You can always tell an Android phone, right? It sounds like the 80s. Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> okay, so where was I? Dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. Thank you. <laughs> so here, here's my point, right? We've got to learn how to understand and cherish relationships, because right now, we don't know how to take care of relationships. And relation, we live in a, in a society where relationships are disposable. If this don't work out, I'll have another you in a minute. If this church don't work out, psh, I'll just go to another one. <laughs> if this fool don't work out, psh, we'll divorce and I'll get, go get me another one. If this woman won't do what I need, give, her what, give me what I need, psh, I'll get another one. And let me just tell you something. That don't work in the kingdom. God is a giver of gifts. And when God gives you a gift, he, he, he's going he's, he's to require you to steward that gift. I'll prove it to you in the word in just a little bit. But let me, let me give you some more scriptures here. So one of the greatest gifts that God can give us is what I call, I want you to catch this now, divine relationships. What is a divine relationship? Well, a divine relationship, write this down, is a relationship ordained by God to enhance and help us accomplish our mission for the kingdom. It is a relationship ordained by God to enhance 
and help us both, both parties, accomplish our mission for the kingdom. Divine relationships aren't just about you helping me. It's a relationship that helps me establish and do something for the kingdom. Guys, these are special gifts. These are gifts that God gives you to do and accomplish what he has called you and your family to do. And the problem we have right now is God can send you a relationship, but if you can't recognize it's divine, you will destroy it, crumble it up, and throw it away. And what you'll be crumbling up and throwing away is the answer to the very things you've spent the past five years praying about. I don't know why we pray and then expect God to just drop things out of heaven. It really doesn't work that way. The way it usually works is you pray and God sends somebody your way. He sends somebody your way that inside of their life, they are carrying the answer to your prayer. But some of you are mean. And some of you are nasty. And some of you mean mug way too much. Smile at me, church. Come on. And I won't know I'm talking about you. You say, well, well, why do we do that? We do that because life and rejection and abandonment has hardened us. And we begin to go through life with the mentality and the look that I don't need any of these fools. I don't need you. I don't need anything you have. I can do good on my own. Some of you heard that from your moms growing up. Miha, you don't need a man to take care of you. You can do it on your own. And and I'm telling you, that sounds like a a good mentality, right? It sounds like, yeah, that's empowering until you get a man. And he wants to feel needed. Are you tracking with me today? Your man wants to feel needed. But you've been taught all your life, I don't need this fool. So he tries to touch you and, he's, and you say to him, scat, cat. But there's a girl down the street saying, here, kitty, kitty. That's an old school one right there. That's an old school. And we wonder why relationships fall apart. Now, I'm not excusing that. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm just telling you this. Men will always go where they feel needed. Women will always go where they feel needed. But you've been taught, I don't need anybody. I don't need this girl. I don't need this man. We got to shed that stuff because that is keeping us from fighting for our relationships. Everybody say, I need you. You need your husband. I could have another you in a minute. No, you can't. They don't make them like this no more. That's what you need to tell your man. They don't make them like this no more. Ain't nobody going to put up with your bad habits. 
Come on. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to love you like this. But see, we've got to cherish these things. All right. And so divine relationships, guys, are, are, are things that God gives us as gifts. Okay. These are gifts for us. And we have examples all throughout the Bible of divine relationships. God raises up a man and he never accomplishes his goal by himself. God always sends people. He gets a man, gives them a mission, and then gives them divine relationships. You can't do it alone. First example of this is Elijah, right? Elijah. Elijah the prophet had divine relationships in 1 Kings 17, verse 9. You can put that on the screen. Uh, They're in a famine. He's going hungry. He needs help. He's praying for food. Look what God says to him. Arise, go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, dwell there. And see, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. This is powerful. This is powerful. So Elijah has a need. Does God just, you know, give him the answer out of the sky? Like he he did it before for him. In this instance, he says, nope, guess what? You need somebody. And he sends him to a widow. And I always thought, why a widow? Let me tell you why God chose to use a widow so that we would learn how to be honorable and respectful to people that are not on our level. Because some of us in this room are snobs. Snobs. We only like to relate to people on our level or higher. Come on, you know it's true. We only like to relate to people in our level of life. And if somebody is lower than us, we lift our nose to them. Maybe not, you know, actually, but figuratively. We got snobs. We even got snobs in the hood. How many know they're ghetto snobs, right? Everybody hates Chris. used to talk about that all the time. Ghetto snobs. What's the ghetto snob? Well, I'm in the hood, but I ain't on food stamps. Hey, hey, I ain't that bad. I ain't that bad. You know. See, there's always somebody lower than you that you despise. God hates that mentality. He hates that in us. Because he sees our true nature. We start believing our own hype. We forget where we come from. And now that we got a little bit of money, you know, we're good with everybody on our level. But we look back and go, oh. Those people. Some of you come to church like that. Oh, you know, I, I, you know uh, I'm, I'm good, but some of these people. Hey, you was one of them people, and in your heart, you still are. You know you're not one of those people anymore, but you can love everybody. And what God's trying to teach us in this here is that some of the people that God will use to change your life aren't on your level. They're below you. But here's what somebody does. They hear a word like this and they go, oh, yes, God's going to send somebody to bless me. God, send me a millionaire. God, send me somebody very rich. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? We do this. And we begin to pray and we begin to go, oh, God's going to send somebody. And we're looking for somebody on our level or higher. But then we read about Elijah and he's praying, God, get me out of this famine. Help me, Lord God, help me. And what does he do? 
He sends Elijah a widow who is not on the prophet's level. The widow is on the bottom of the food chain. She's way down here. She a scrub. She's a scrub. And the Bible says this. She's, she's putting together two sticks. She's about to make a little cake for her and her, her, and her son because they're about to die. She's just a scrub. Thank God Elijah wasn't a snob like some of us. He goes into town. He recognizes this is somebody God has put in my life. And she, she literally saves Elijah's life through a relationship. Folks, you need to make sure you're not just looking up for the blessings. Sometimes you need to look down. I have seen this in my life time and time again. Times when we've needed somebody and God didn't send me somebody on my level. Come on, hear me now. He sent me people who needed what was on my level. We have some amazing staff members. But when I met most of these staff members, they were not on my level. 20 years in the game, traveling. They weren't on my level. But boy, did I need some fieldings in my life. Boy, did I need some Delgados. At the time, it was a Jesse Delgado and it was a Jessica Rosado. They weren't on my level. Jesse had just got a haircut, I think, before we met, right? You had your long hair for Jesse was a whole nother dude. I actually met him one time at a concert. And the guy that was there is not the guy that sits here. But did you know the folks that I just mentioned changed our lives? Like we wouldn't have this church had God not sent them into our lives. Because when we were planting this church, I'm praying, God, you got to send us help. We need people. And, you know, in our minds, we're thinking somebody's going to show up and go, I've had 10 years of pastoral experience. We want to help you, pastor. God doesn't do that. God sends me a Jesse Delgado, who at the time, I mean, I've seen God do so much in Jesse's life. But at the time, he he was not the guy that he is now. God sent us a Jessica Rosado at the time, who at the time was going through so much in her life that if I would not have been discerning, I would not have been opening, open to realizing these are divine relationships. I would have sunned them. You know what, you know what that means, right? Son, when you sun somebody, you try to act like you're better than them. What's up, son? Okay, son, go over there, son. You good, you good, son. Thank God I didn't son him. Right? I S-O-N'd him, which is different. Made him sons, brought them into our lives. Because I recognized the divine relationship. A few years ago, you guys know the story. We're going through a big thing trying to get in this building. We had a couple people that were helping us build the church up to that point that decided to leave and, and, and were no longer part of this ministry. My prayers before God are like, God, what are we going to do? They were helping us. They're not helping us no more. You got to send somebody. We need somebody to help us with this thing. You know what God sends me? A drug addict. 
in recovery named Willard Gable. Come on, somebody. I'm praying, God, send me help. And I'm thinking somebody with a Bible school degree and somebody who's got their life together. And, and what does God say? God's like, I got you. I'm sending you somebody that's going to help you do this thing. I'm like, yes. And then I'm out getting tacos with my family over at uh, Jalapeno's on 21st Street. And I'm walking in there and I hear this pastor and I look over. I'm like, who's this fool? Hey, how you doing, man? And he's sitting at a table with all these drug addicts in recovery. And they look like they was in recovery. Come on, somebody. They was just going through a rough time, you know. And he waves at me, and I quickly grab my wallet. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up? And he says, Pastor, hey, I'm in recovery right now, but I've been coming, I was coming to your church before I got here. When I get out, I'm coming back. I'm like, cool, man. All right, that's great. Look me up when you get out. So he does, finishes his recovery, comes out, comes to church, says, hey, pastor, I'm clean now. I went through my recovery, but the Lord's told me I really don't feel like I need to go out and get a job. I need to get the victory in this. I want to make sure that I, I'm walking this thing out. I just want to serve God. Is there anything I can do to help you? I said, sure. Meet me at the church Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. We'll put you to work. He starts showing up every day, every day. Guys, can I just tell you my answer was wrapped up in a recovering drug addict. Thank God. Thank God that I understand how the kingdom works. The kingdom, God doesn't just use pretty people. God doesn't just use rich people. Because if he did, he wouldn't be using any of us, myself included. He uses willing people. And so, so many of my prayers have been answered by people that maybe others would have passed by. I just did this uh, uh, anniversary for the church in, in Trinidad. Amazing church. I, I hope you guys can come on the mission trip and see it with us. But Pastor Kirk was up there telling his congregation about our relationship. And I just, I bro- I'm about to preach and I just broke down weeping. Because he's, he's introducing me because they have a lot of new people in their church since the pandemic, just like us. And he's like, many of you don't know Pastor Sergio hasn't been here in a few years. But he goes, let me tell you something. He saw the gold in us when nobody else did. He said, in our Bible school class, every student was given an assignment to go and serve at a place in the world at another church. They'd all been given assignments to go be uh, uh, interns and serve in this thing. He said, me and my friend Hosea, who also pastors the church with him, he says, we were the only students. They didn't give us an assignment. And Pastor Sergio came and said, hey, would you guys be willing to come help me in Modesto? I don't have much. I can't pay you. You know, I can take you to the taco trucks a couple times a week and we can build this thing. And they said yes. And he got up there and he said, this is, he took a chance on us. And I just began to weep because I see what God has done in them now. But had I not recognized divine relationships, I would have passed it up because I'm looking for the wrong thing. And I hope you're catching this today because some of the answers to your prayers are wrapped up in skin and bones. And you got to quit judging folks. You got to quit making people live up to a certain standard. And you just got to start working with what God sends you. 
Because the, 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 the way divine relationships work, it's not about me, it's not about them, it's about the kingdom. Like I said, the staff that we have, amazing staff, they have blessed our lives to such a degree. We could not be here without them. I need you. Now, I'm sure they could say the same thing. Well, pastor, man, had we not come to this church, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have started a business. I wouldn't have did this. (laughs) Pastor Willard's been with us four years. We've already taken him to four different nations. He's preached a youth conference. Some guys have been uh, 10 years in the game, haven't done anything like that. Jesse Delgado, we went to Malaysia a couple years ago. We stood on this platform of about 3,000 people. He said it was literally a vision that God gave him when he was a single young man that one day he would be on a platform like that. He said, Pastor, that vision just came to pass. It would not have come to pass had we not been in relationship. What I'm trying to tell you guys is this. You've got to open up your life to needing others because Satan has lied to you. You cannot do this on your own. You need help. Here's another one. You can't even have a successful marriage on your own. Baby, we got this. No, you don't. Baby, it's just you and me. No, it can't be. God has put the answers to your marriage in other people. You better get yourself some friends. You better get yourself a pastor. You better get yourself a marriage counselor. You better get yourself a therapist. Do I need to go on? Some of you ain't got none of that. That's how you know you got to shake this. I could do this on my own. You better go home and listen to Frankie Beverly and Mays. I need you. Get used to saying that. Are you catching something today? Let me go on. So Elijah has divine relationships. God sends him a widow, somebody not on his level, yet still called to enhance his life. In return, he enhances hers. Then he goes on. Elijah's in a dark time. He's experiencing anxiety. He's experiencing depression, suicidal thoughts. He's at at a broom tree hoping to die. He's saying, God, help me. God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. And in uh, uh, 1 Kings 19, 15, and 17, God sends him an answer. And he says this, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazai as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi. Then you go and Elisha, the son of Shaphai of Abel, Maloah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. What is the answer to his, his prayers? Relationships. And not just any relationships. Not just relationships with people who you grew up with. Not just relationships with people who is your cousin. Relationships with people that God sends. God picks them, not you. Your job is to recognize them. Your job is to discover who they are. Are you tracking with me today? So you read the story and these things happen. And then Elijah takes over for, uh, I'm sorry, Elisha takes over for Elijah. And the same thing begins to happen for him. He meets a Shunammite woman. And the Shunammite woman is somebody, let me read it to you, 2 Kings 4, 8 and 10. It says, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. 
Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he could turn in there. You know what she did? She recognized the divine relationship. This guy's a man of God. Hey, let's clear out a room and let's give him a prophet's chambers. Let's feed him. Let's make sure we take care of him because God has sent him into our lives. See, she understood I need people. And it's not always to serve my needs. I need to be needed by others. And this man comes by here all the way. He needs us. We need to recognize that. We need to be people like that. Okay. All throughout the Bible, King Saul would have never become King Saul without his relationship with the prophet Samuel. Paul had Barnabas. Jesus, even Jesus, didn't try to do this thing alone. He had his disciples. Divine relationships are a blessing from God that you must steward. Anything God gives you, you got to take care of. You're going to have to answer for it. Hey, what did you do with that wife I gave you? That's what God's going to say before. And I've had people say this before. Well, pastor, wait a minute. I'm not going to be judged. I'm a Christian. Don't I escape the judgment when I gave my life to Christ? No, you escaped eternal judgment unto damnation. But we all will face the white throne judgment where the father comes and faces us, looks us in the eye and says, what did you do with what I gave you? And that is when the rewards get handed out. Pastor, I don't care about no rewards. I just want to make it into heaven. Oh, you will care. And any reward God wants to give me, you better want it. If he wants to give you a crown, take the crown. Ah, pastor, I don't need any of that stuff. Listen, if the Bible is saying it's for us and he wants us to have it, we need to embrace it. Look at Luke 16, one through four. He says to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. What the Bible is telling us here is that you're going to have to give an account for the things God has given you. You prayed for a husband. He gave you one. How's that going? Is he better because he married you? Did you upgrade him? Got real quiet. I got hear crickets in here. Hey, you prayed for that wife. Is she better now or did you make her more crazy? Is she more lonely than she was even when she was single? We have to give an account for these things, including relationships. And Luke 16 tells us in this parable, here's here's what he says. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward says unto himself, what shall I do? My master is taking away his stewardship from me. You know what this means? It means this. When you don't steward what God gives you, ready? He won't give you more. He won't give you more, even if you cry, even if you beg. Oh, God, prosper my business, Lord. Please, please make this thing go. I know you said I would do this. God's like, how are you doing with what I give you? What what I gave you at this level? Are you using the money that I gave you for kingdom things? Are you just paying bills? Are you tithing? Stay at this level. Because I can't trust you. 
And so we got Christians praying for new levels. God, open up new doors. God, give me more. And God's saying, use the keys of the kingdom to get heaven to loose to you what you need. But see, we don't use the keys. And what's the key? The key is this. Steward well what you have and God will give you more. You live in a rental right now. Do you take care of it? God, give us a house. Why? That rental you're living in is jacked up. And you don't take care of it. God, give me a new car. When was the last time you washed the car you got? God gave you that car. Wash it, clean it, roll it, steward it. Because the scriptures tell us the way God does things, the key of the kingdom, is if I steward what I have, he gives me more. But if I don't steward well what he's given me, he stops giving me. And you might say, oh, that's so messed up. No, it's actually love. It's actually love. If my son can't handle what I give him, if I give him more, it'll crush him. It'll destroy him. It'll turn his heart. So as a loving father, I got to go, no, 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 that's all you get. That's all you get. Dominate that. I'll give you more. Amen? Amen. Single people, you have got to learn how to steward the single life. In the words of Cameo, amen? Mixtape, come on. Single life, come on, somebody, amen? I'm living the... Oh, I got, I got a few heads in the, in the church. Life. You got to steward that. You know, can I just tell you something? Too many single people complain. It's so hard. Alone. It's tough. Track with me, single people. Don't get mad at me. I feel a brick spirit coming on in here. Because I'm trying to help you. No, steward it. Because it only gets harder. And the married people said, single people, we got married people wishing they could be single again. Because it only gets harder. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder. And if you're single and oh, you think being alone, single is hard? Try feeling alone and being married. That's even harder. Because loneliness doesn't go away because somebody's in the bed next to you. Married people will tell you that. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad. What I'm trying to tell you is your focus needs to be stewardship. Steward well what you have. God gives you more. I know, but we're listening to hustle culture. We're listening to grind culture. No, no, no. If I do this, if I do this. Okay, yeah, I get that. But the kingdom says, if you steward what I give you, God gives you more. So somebody needs to go home and mow the back lawn at their rental that they live in. And take care of it. Somebody needs to go home and clean the carpet in that rental that you live in and steward it. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm trying to help somebody here. Tell your neighbor he's trying to help you. He's trying to help you. If you steward what you have, God gives you more. Tell your other neighbor that was a good word. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Come on, I'm almost done here. So let me leave you with this right here. Types of divine relationships, all right? These are the things you need to be looking for. Number one, first type of a divine relationship is a momentary relationship. It's when God uses somebody to meet a need or help you at the moment you need them. 
The, you know, the bills are stacking up. Somebody tells you, hey, the, the landlord says, hey, we're kicking you out if you don't have the money by Tuesday. And all of a sudden, you have a relationship where somebody says, you know what? The Lord told me to give you this. How many times I've heard those testimonies. I remember when my wife and I, uh, on our honeymoon, y'all, on our honeymoon, we got blessed with our honeymoon. Someone bought us a trip to St. Martin in the Caribbean, and we went, and the first two days were amazing. Third day, hurricane hits. Our honeymoon. We're supposed to be out there having fun. We're scared to death. I, I'm, from the, I'm from the West Coast. I don't know nothing about hurricanes. I learned that day. Hurricanes came. The whole island's devastated. But guess what? Every hotel loses power except the one we're in. Come on, somebody. Amen. Our, we, still had, we still had power. We still had AC. So they started bringing everybody from the other hotels into our lobby, and they're all gathered together down there. My wife and I are still in an air-conditioned room on, like, the 10th floor. God took care of us. But then the hurricane left, and we were only supposed to be there, like, four days. Man, we were running out of money. And they said, I don't know when planes are going to be able to take you guys out of here. So we need money. We need to eat. We need all this stuff. So we're out taking a walk through all the rubble and stuff. We meet this couple. This couple comes up to us. They're like in their 60s or whatever. And we start talking, hey, where are you from? And then they start, we start telling them, yeah, you know, we're just, we don't know what we're going to do. We're supposed to be out of here three days ago, running out of money. And this lady just goes, you know what? She goes into her purse or whatever. She busts out $500. She said, here, you guys take this. You take this. And when you get back, here's my address. You could, send, you could pay us back whenever you get the money. But take this. And we're, we're, we just start weeping like, wow, thank you. And she goes, you know what? I have kids your age. If they were in this situation, I would want somebody to do this for them. So here you go. That, my friends, was a divine relationship that was momentary. Now, when we got back, you better believe we sent them that money back. And you want to know why? Because we recognized it was from God. Why would I rob God's people? God sent them to me. It's my job to take care of them. There are people in your life God sends you for a moment to help you get the job, to help you get what you need to get. Maybe it's a loan officer. Maybe it's a a, a real estate agent that knows a loophole, that knows a way. Those are divine relationships that God sends into you for the moment. The second one is a seasonal relationship. I remember when I was in Bible college, there were friends that God sent to me that were my friends for that season of my life. They helped me get through those days. Uh, I remember when I was in Florida, there were people that helped me as a youth pastor. And those relationships were divine, but they were seasonal. Once the task was over, we didn't have a connection anymore. There was no reason. So they they didn't break up. It was just kind of like our task is done and we went on our way. But those relationships, you can put that on the screen there, number two, was a seasonal relationship. A relationship needed to accomplish a specific task or complete a season. And then the third one is this. Those are those that your destiny, put number three up, these are the lifers. Those your destinies are intertwined with. In other words, I don't get there unless you come with me. You don't get there unless I go with you. And we don't like to think about those relationships because it's a relationship of humility. It's a relationship where we're giving up control. And now we dare say, oh, my gosh, this, I'm giving this person the ability 
to really damage me in my destiny. And I don't want to do that. But it's how the kingdom works. I don't know about that. You're asking me to trust somebody with my destiny. No, 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 not, not just anybody. A divine relationship. A divine relationship. Until you humble yourself to the degree to know that you can't get there without certain people, you're going to have struggles in this life. So let me give you this last thing in two, three minutes here, okay? How do you steward your divine relationships? This is going to help you. This is going to save your life. Because the bottom line is this. You guys already probably have them. You already have people in your life that God has sent you. You just haven't recognized that they're from God. And you keep pushing them away. You keep pushing them away. You keep, oh, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. That's why you're at the level that you're at. And guess what? God wants to move you past it. He can't until you understand that you need others. So how do we steward divine relationships? Number one, you can put this on the screen. You just take a photo of it, everyone, or you can write it down. Understand how valuable your divine relationships are. Guys, they're valuable. They don't happen every day. Every relationship you have is not a divine relationship. There are some relationships that I have because, you know, we like the Raiders. We like to watch football. Some relationships I have because, you know, we like hip-hop, you know. Some relationships you have because you have good personality, you got good chemistry, so we're cool. But then there's others that I know God sent in my life, and I need to be grateful for them. So how do I, how do I take care of them? Here it is. Be thankful and grateful for them. The moment you start critiquing those relationships is the moment you're taking them for granted. Man, they always do that. I'm getting tired of this. Gosh, they get on my nerves with that. You better be careful. Because these divine relationships are all imperfect. Be thankful. Be grateful for them. And express that. Can I get an amen? amen? This is what happens in marriage, right? You get married to somebody. That first year, you're so grateful. You're so thankful. You're so glad you got somebody to take you. Come on. Amen. Found, found somebody to put up with your ways. But by year five, year six, you can't stand them. You're taking them for granted. All right. Number two, protect them. Protect them. What does this mean? It means you got to guard yourself from the opinions of others about the people that God sends you. This is the plan of the enemy to always try and put other people's opinions so that you disqualify them from being in your life. That's why when some of you started coming to this church, you had people go, oh, you go to that church. See, the enemy knows he don't want you connecting here. So he sends opinions of others. Well, you know what they did to me when I went there? It's all Satan coming in and trying to bring division into your heart. And you open up your heart to that. Listen, if you believe God has called you here, you're going to have to guard your heart against the opinions of others. And the church said, Amen. the other thing you got to guard your heart against is offense. Pastor Lance talked to you about that last week. Get the message. It'll change your life. Satan wants you to unhook from those that you're called to, and he'll do it through offense. Somebody will hurt you. Somebody will make you mad, and, and you got to work through that. Number three, you got to fight for it, all right? You got to fight for those relationships, which means this. You got to defend them. You got to work out your problems, all right? We've got to work stuff out. Anybody that's a divine relationship, you're going to have to work things out with. Every person that, uh, the people that I mentioned earlier on staff, we've had to work things out. I've hurt them, they've hurt me. We work it out. 
But you know what the world does? You hurt me, I'm gone. I hurt you, you're gone. No, you work it out. And the church said, the reason for divorces nowadays don't even make sense. Well, she did this, she did that. Forgive. Work it out. Get some counsel. See, because we don't think we need anybody. Let me tell you, buddy, you need that woman that you married. You, they, you need her. I, I hear it in the spirit. No, I don't. I get me another one. Not like her. If God gave her to you, you need her. And the church said, at least the women should say amen to that. But how much, guess what, women? You need that man, too. No, I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) Pastor, you don't know how he be doing me sometimes. You need him. He puts up with your crazy. Come on. No, no, no. I'm just joking. (laughs) You think somebody else is going to put up with your crazy? Not like he does. You need him. Fight for it. Defend it. Work it out. And the last one is this. Water them. Guys, this is, the, this is a hard one. All right? This is what I want to leave you with. This is a hard one. And this is an area when you mess up in that area, it, it's tough. And we all do. I've messed up in the areas. There's been times, even as I was preparing this message, I was feeling like, man, I don't, I don't know if I've cultivated, if I've watered the relationships that God has sent me the most. And usually, many times, the reason I don't is because I'm going through my own stuff. See, this is the plan of the enemy, y'all. If he could get us so focused on our own issues, we don't have time for anybody else's stuff. If I'm just focused on how I'm hurting, I don't have time to check on you. And it's not that I don't care about you. It's just that I'm consumed with what I'm going through. And so here's what the enemy will do, right? And this is the society we live in. Everybody is dealing with their own trauma and their own issues. And we're in a society right now that is teaching us to to address it. And I I believe that we should. I believe that we should focus on. But we've got to be so careful that we don't be overly consumed on our own issues, our own trauma, and our own problems. Because the Word tells us this that you and I are supposed to be consumed with the needs of others. But what the enemy wants to do is get you thinking how messed up you are. He keeps bringing up the abuse you went through as a kid. He keeps bringing up the abandonment issues. He keeps bringing, I'm not saying we ignore that, but you work on that and then from time to time as part of your process, you put your head up and go, other people need me. God, I give you my issues. I know I'm focused in on them. I give these to you. And as I water others, your word says you water me. And I just got to tell you, there's been times I haven't done that enough. Can I just tell you, there's times I haven't even done that enough with my own wife. (laughs) There's times I haven't done that enough with my own kids. And boy, do I believe God's given me them. It happens. And it doesn't happen from an impure place. It happens from a place of just being consumed with ourselves. I want you to hear this. I want to end on this. And I don't want you to get upset with me, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. Sometimes the most selfish people are the people that have been hurt the most. I know that's hard to hear. 
But think about this. I was just in Cabo a couple weeks ago on our pastor's retreat, and we were, we were in this, uh, uh, we were doing some snorkeling there on the beach, and I happened to graze some coral. I mean, it didn't even hurt or not. I just grazed it, and I'm swimming, and I look up, and my, my hand is gushing blood. And I'm in this most beautiful, serene water with all these fish running up on us. And, and for that moment, all that faded away. And I just looked at my finger and I got out of the water and I lost about 15 minutes of that time. Because you know where my focus was? On my pain. I lost sight of this beautiful ocean I was just swimming in. The fish, the people that were there, the sun, the sand. And for 15 minutes, this is what I was focused on. Do you realize some of us do that with our entire lives? You got beautiful kids, but you're just focused on, this was done to me, this was hurt, this happened to me, this trauma. You got a beautiful wife, oh, but, but this thing, you can't see it. You're just so focused on what was done. And guys, you know what that does? It tends to make you self-centered, selfish. We all do it, we all do it. And we've got to learn, guys, how much we need people that we begin to be people that will also go out and understand that people need you. Your husband needs you. He needs you to be in a good mood when he comes home from work. Smile at me, ladies. You're getting mad at me. Sorry. He doesn't need you to just come in and be like, ah, oh, you're here, finally. He needs you. So before he comes home, dry the tears, do whatever you got to do. God, it's been a tough day, but he needs me. You had a tough day at work. Oh, it was tough. You're going home. You don't come in the door all grumpy. Oh. And she's like, oh, you're home. What's for dinner? Dang, babe, don't talk like that. I'm sorry I had a bad day. Now, you know what you do? You sit in that car. Take a deep breath. You say, I had a hard day today, but my family needs me right now. Hey, how's everybody doing? And then she hits you with that, oh, you're home, and then it all goes to pieces. <laughs> Come on, you know it's true. But guys, it's understanding. Go home, listen to Frankie Beverly and Mays. There's actually a nine-minute version on Spotify for you music lovers out there, all right? And, 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 and get with your wife, your wife, get romantic tonight, tell her, baby, I need you. Like the, like the moon, like the glow of the moon needs the light. Come on, somebody. And, and start walking around understanding that we need each other. Amen? Let's stand on our feet. Did y'all get something out of that tonight, today? Come on, give God a good praise clap. everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.